Schaefer. <laughs> I told you once before, you put that back where you got it from. <laughs> the goal is to still make great radio. Put in the time, do the work. I associated laughing with radio, and that's kind of why I always wanted to be a part of it. In this business, we forget just how great it is. This is the Off Mic Podcast, a radio show about radio life. This week on the show, it's Colin Lovequist on The Source, 620 CKRM. Normally, I would start by asking, how did you get into radio? I think a better question is, when did you get into radio? How long have you been doing this now? 34 years. And the better question is, why? <laughs> yeah, you, you must be having a hell of a time to stick it out 34 years. I know people that didn't make it four years. So Yeah, you know, I, I thought the money was there. I thought the money was going to be there. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, if you were making back then what you're making now, it would have been huge money yeah, at that yeah, time. Yeah, but. yeah. 34 years, but you know, it's. I feel like I've been doing it one or two. It's really? It's flown by. That's how good it's been to me. And it's just, I had that opportunity and uh, it's it's been a good ride for 34 years. And I thought it was only a, a two-year venture because I left the farm, the only son. I thought, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm probably going to go back to the farm eventually. And I thought... I want to do play-by-play baseball. Oh. That's my goal. Yeah. Play-by-play ball anywhere, AAA, AA, doesn't matter. Then I got onto the uh, on-air side of it and haven't looked back. Let's go back. What kind of farm was it back then? Mixed farm. We had yeah. uh, about four sections of land. At the peak, we ran about 300 head of cattle. And uh, as soon as I graduated, I thought, here we go. Here we go. My, my principal <laughs> put up a note on the bulletin board, said, this column would be good for you. And it was a Western Academy of Broadcasting College admittance poster. I thought, Geez, I, I would like to do that. The old WABC. WABC, and then I was driving the cultivator, the tractor going around and around. I thought, listening to everybody else, I'm going, geez, I want to do that. <laughs> was it still Don Scott back then? Don Scott. Oh, my God. Don Scott. He offered a lot. Like, he instilled quite a bit in me, and it was all about the work ethic. Just, you know what, you got to, it's one of these jobs you just got to keep trying and get your foot in the door, get it banged on, do become a janitor at some radio station. Right. <laughs> hopefully you get in, and uh, I lucked out. I got admittance within the six months of my uh, first tape going out. Wow. And I sent tapes everywhere. Well, you have to. And and the funny thing is, is the main audience for this show is, is young broadcasters looking for inspiration. Yeah. When he says he sent out tapes, he actually sent out tapes. tapes yeah. <laughs> well, I had my, my final production, my final master copy of everything I did was on a reel-to-reel. Wow. And then I had to take that reel-to-reel and convert it to cassette. Do you ever just find yourself in the middle of your show now with Adobe yeah. Audition and all this other stuff going on, just thinking like, how easy do we have it now compared I, to then? You know, when I had my 25th anniversary uh, celebration at Christmas party, I, I contemplated on everything. I'm thinking, I've been there and I've done that. And I, we've gone from reel to reels to, to carts to play our commercials. And we'd have to stack about 30 carts in a row. And uh, now at the point where we just basically push a button and click a mouse. And uh, it's we've come so far over such a short period of time. Up until about 1990, it was still reel to reels, cassettes, quite archaic. And then probably about 1996, 97. And that's when I just saw the jump in technology. And it's just, it's crazy to see where you've been, where you are and what the future holds in the next five, 10 years. Cause well, it's, it's going to be outstanding. That's what we're learning now, right? With this yeah. whole COVID-19 and you're seeing all these people using home studios and, yeah. and companies like the sponsor of this podcast, Pip and Tech, like they're coming out with all this crazy stuff. There's going to be programmers whose eyes are open to, we work in a huge building. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that like our company owns the building. So we probably get a sweetheart deal on the rent, but wouldn't it be nice to save some money? Why do we need all this space is yeah. what I think we're learning right now. And I think too, the technology, the way it's going, everything it has been compacted and compacted and minimalized and minimalized. And soon it'll be all wristwatches and microchips <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> Westworld. <laughs> so back in the day, you're, you're working on the farm. Working on the farm. What did radio mean to you then? Because you work for a station now that reaches out to that community and, and your station, 620 CKRM, is so important for so many people in terms of getting the news, getting the weather, getting the ag information, but also you're out in the combine for however many hours in yeah. a day and it's someone like you that becomes their companion. Was it like that for you when you were working? You know, it was. I'm just listening and going, okay, I'm going to see what so-and-so is doing today. And yeah. it's almost like you come apart, like you said, a part of their family and you're just going, okay, well, let's go over to the station because I like these guys during this time of the day. We're going to bounce over here. And it was sort of like you're just checking out everybody and you got the feelers out there and you want to see what everybody's up to and then you'd find something you enjoy 
enjoy, then you stick with it. And, and then after a while, it's just like, man, I, I can do that. I want to do that. And, <laughs> and it all started off because of the love of music. You know, at my age, when I was probably in the mid seventies, when I was about 12 years old and I was getting my $5 allowance, my friends were out buying a case of beer or whatever, you <laughs> yeah. know, and I would go out and I would buy my case of beer, but I'd also buy some records because they were like $1.99 back right, then. So right, I'd buy right. a bunch of records, some comics, some sports cards, but there was always music. When I got my allowance, I'd always go down to the drugstore or the hardware store or the co-op and buy a record or two. What are two or three of the records from back then that, that oh. never left your collection? I, I think probably the most significant one, I got the Elvis double LP of his greatest hits. k wacky 25 hits with Chubby <laughs> Checker doing the Do the Huckle Buck. And my first rock and roll triumph what's another day of rock and roll that's an interesting thing about you is people listen like you're the voice of country in, in saskatchewan yeah, really I, I had it all and, and then you're a rock guy down in the heart yeah, too a little rock and roll whole lot of country but you know what i grew up mom and dad back in those days uh, we could stack about 20 records on the turntable so we'd always have you know there'd be charlie pride lefty frizzell hank williams hank snow jim reeves was big in our house dave dudley and you'd stack 30 records 20 20 30 records and they, it would play all day yeah. Sunday 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 it was just <laughs> listen to the music and then my sisters they had the Bobby Goldsboro and the Andy Kim and all the Teen Beat magazines yeah. and I'd rifle through those <laughs> then I bought the circus magazines and I read everything about Motorhead and Metallica and Judas Priest and I just sort of consumed myself in the music industry and the music world and I thought one way or another I'm uh, gonna get there somehow so, so who were some of the big names in radio that you grew up listening to who were some of the people that sort of influenced you when your principal said this would be good for you who yeah. are some of the people that you were like well yeah i could do that well i was listening to like uh, keys country down in the states or oh, just south okay. of the border and like because you know back then we didn't have all the, all the radar interference and all the sonar interference yeah. and the the cellular towers so i was actually listening to the wolfman jack and wow. i think it was coming out of la in the evenings wow and so yeah you listen to the wolfman jack and then he came out with american graffiti the movie and it was so cool and everybody came to where yeah there's the wolfman everybody trying to talk like the wolfman for the next couple of weeks <laughs> at, at school and uh, then I just I'd skip around. I'd go to CKDM and Dauphin because they had a fantastic heavy rock show in oh. the evenings on Saturday nights. So that was when we were out partying and driving around back in the day. We'd uh, tune into Dauphin for their rock and roll show. And then I'd be driving around the tractor. I'd be listening to Fred King on uh, 620 CKRM, Yak Up a Storm, and and uh, just so many great announcers that came through the RM. And uh, they just they've all got uh, legacies to their names. You know, like some big names have gone through and work now for either major markets out on the coast or out in the Toronto area. So if you get CKRM on the resume, that was uh, that was a pretty good deal back then. Was it CKCK back then? CKCK. Yeah. It was six, then it went from CKCK to 62 Cool. And then the CRTC, which is the governing body of all radio, said that uh, you can only have three signals. So we had to get rid of one of them. So we had to, at that time when I joined, there was MX 92.1, which is now my 92, but it was a country FM upbeat right. country. Yeah. And then we had, uh, at that time, CKCK, which went to 62 Cool, and we had to sell that signal. And we kept the 620 signal and gave them our 980 signal because of the power difference, like right. the reception difference. Well, let's go back. So you went to WABC. You hung out with what I assume uh, that long ago would have been a middle-aged Don Scott. Yes. And you said six months after you were done or sent your first tape, you were out working. Where was that first station? Was that? Not CKCK. I just thought I, I got to start someplace. And lo and behold, I got a call from CFAR, Arctic Radio. Wow. In, in Flint <laughs> So <clears throat> being that age, quite adventurous, not a care in the world. You know, you're going to live forever. Let's, let's do it, man. I'm going to get out there and uh cut my teeth on a radio station that uh, was a good deal for me because it was free form programming. Like I picked out my music. And yeah, that's a thing that, that a lot was, of our yeah. listeners don't know used yeah. to be a thing because it's not, did you jump into a format that you like? No, back then, you know. Everybody's opinion counted. Yeah. And everybody had their own taste of music. So what did your show in Flin Flon sound I like? I was all over the map. Like, and the guys, <laughs> like, and, and I'll be quite brutally honest, I was in about probably four good scraps in the first six months I was up there. These guys are low they, they got so much money. There's so many uh, different jobs out there where they're, it's always well-paying jobs. Like these guys are making, I was offered a $65 an hour job when I first got there. Wow. I'm not, not in radio. Not I'm in radio. radio. I was going <laughs> to drill the holes where they dropped the dynamite in the Mandy mine. And then another team came and capped the dynamite.
dynamite, and then another team blew the dynamite, but I was just there, I was going to drill holes and get paid $65 an hour, and I had to go to school for six to eight weeks, and then my wage would have gone to $80 an hour, and this was like 1986. Oh my, that's a lot of records. That's a lot of money, so (laughs) I'm thinking uh, I probably survived, or I lived to tell the tale, because I didn't take that route with all that money, because I had no money to, you know, the excess of booze and drugs, it was just crazy. (laughs) Flinflon was at that time five to seven thousand people, and I think there was about seven or eight alcohol abusive centers and really? spousal abuse centers. Like oh it was, it was the Las Vegas of the North, and everybody shift working. So I'd get off at two or three in the morning. And there'd just be a full blown party down the street with yeah. 150 people there losing their minds, and, it and was, you're out throwing hands. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just a young <laughs> young man, and, and they were so isolated up there. If you didn't have anything to do with Mandy Mine or the mine or the Flint Flon bombers, they didn't yeah. want anything to do with you. Really? You were you were basically an outsider. So I got into all these fights. I leaned on a, a guy's truck, and I guess he wanted to make an example of me. So oh, no. we, we went toe-to-toe at this uh, outdoor party. And then they finally realized that I was the guy that was playing their humble pie, their fog hat, their Led Zeppelin, you know? <laughs> so then I could go to the Flin Flon Hotel after that, and I didn't have to drop a dime. <laughs> now, now you're one of us. Now I'm in. Now these are good days. These are the <laughs> memories that I uh, want to remember. So, uh, yeah, it was a good ride. But I, I was very eclectic on air. I was playing everything from, and I wrote down a list, old plateau to stone bolt. Uh, I was even playing some Motorhead back in the day, and, and then I'd jump into uh, Leonard Skinner, Ripples, uh, Grateful Dead, really psychedelic music, because it was it was the time. Back then, and, and especially if you're going to be as eclectic as you say you were on the air, where did you get your music from? Because right now, uh, you know, a kid walks into a radio station, it's all on Maestro or, or Media Touch or, or whatever, yeah. and, and it's there. You're not really picking no. any of your music, but here, you're picking all the songs you're playing was it from your own collection? Did the station have some stuff? If there was a song you really wanted to get on the air, did you have to head down to the drugstore and get it yourself? Well, I usually, when I went home for holidays, I'd bring back my own collection because I can admit it now, but back then it was embarrassing. I used to buy records for the album cover artwork. Okay. So I'm buying Uriah Heap because this guy's riding a stallion and he's swinging a two-sided <laughs> axe. I'm going, he's wearing a loincloth. I'm going, man, that's pretty cool. Is that Conan the Barbarian? <laughs> I read the comic. I should have the, have the yeah, record why not? to go with it. So I just I would buy records just because of the artwork on the albums. So I just had everything, and you would not believe the records I had. Donnie and I still have a massive collection, but we downsized a lot. Cassettes, I bet you I had about five thousand cassettes. Really? Everything from Frankie Yankovic Polka Party <laughs> to uh, heavy metal, you name it. Uh, I, I had it, and I had everything from Anthrax to Dwight Yoakam. You would have been the best Frank wedding Zappa. DJ ever. Oh yeah, and I got and I, that's what that's another thing. I started off doing the school dances yeah they knew i had the collection right, right. so i'd do the school dances and i'd play my huckle buck by chuck berry or whoever and then i'd uh, throw on some bird dance music and <laughs> and then i started doing the small community uh, fall fairs like the mc oh, gigs yeah then i'd mc the uh, the figure skating clubs and i would do their when they were doing their dance routines please welcome to the ice <laughs> so and so from priestville and they are going to be dancing to the song by frankie avalon <laughs> do you remember when you got out because there's such a difference in being on air uh, at a radio school to being on air with an actual show. Do you remember the first time you got to crack the mic in Flin Flon, what it felt like? Yeah, it it was like, everything's overstructured nowadays. Right. Like, you know, we've got programs that tell us what we should be saying and what what time we're going to play this at and programs that pop up. Back then, you know, every LP... And I was playing the long cuts, probably uh, never see that again, like eight no, versions of no, Grateful Dead. So, band puts out a 10 minute song yeah. now, and unless it's Tool, it's not getting on the radio. Exactly. I gotta go to the bathroom. Here's Led Zeppelin, <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> Didn't have to be so neat and tight. Right. Like, if there was a little bit of dead gap, I just turn my chair around. Okay, I'll be right back here. Hang on a sec. Okay. All right, we're done. All right. Here you go. This is Murray McLaughlin. Try walking away. <laughs> But that's the way, that's the style back then. And then it got to the point where you got to keep the show nice and tight. And uh, there's always somebody behind you that's going to do your job for half the price. So get your act together. And uh, that part of radio hasn't yeah. changed. <laughs> but I was scared when I first started, you know, I just staggering and stammering. And I listened to my old, my old cassettes that I just, because I'm a... Uh, 
what do you call myself a hoarder a hoarder yeah, yeah that's not the really word. a hoarder just, <laughs> i was waiting for you to church it yeah, up yeah. but i was gonna say no it's hoarding it's hoarding <laughs> uh i just I, I i i'm such a fan of history i don't know it's but i just i like to save all that stuff i've even got old commercial uh sheets that tells you what commercials were playing at that really? time just so i can go back and look at the old sponsors and uh, back then i was so scared and uh just shaking and uh, a little concerned about am i doing this for the right reasons because there was no money then yeah. you know and i'm living way up north and i think at that time i was getting 560 dollars a month and my rent was 500 dollars. oh and, wow <laughs> and uh, yeah it was very lean times very lean times that's why and, you're doing those figure skating exactly. games exactly <laughs> thank goodness those miners realized who i was and i could go to the bar without bringing any money so how long were you in flin flon three years and that is way too long <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I loved it. I loved it. And the people were great once they got to know you. But I'm a, I'm a huge fisherman. And it was, oh. that, was, that was just the place to be because I'd fish every weekend. I'm smoking suckers on the weekends. I'm fishing on Saturday and Sunday. Then I'd live to get to the weekend so I could go out fishing. What was it that eventually led you to go, okay, I got to get out of here? Was it you started looking? Was there a job that was offered to you that took you away? No, I think that for myself, it, and it's... Same thing as today. The cost of living got so high yeah. and the uh, the wages didn't go up. So you're spreading yourself thin and you're thinking, well, I, I can't keep doing this. So I just sent out some more tapes, went back to the farm for a couple of months just to get recharged and then Weyburn called. So wait, did you get out of radio for a couple months when you said you went back to the farm? Yes. So I, there was a gap in between there, the there stations. Was, there was a gap. I just, I sort of make, basically said, okay, uh, I can't afford to be here. Did you ever think when you were back at the farm, because you're a guy that likes that farm life and you're with the family and everything like yeah. that, which is important to you. Was there any time in those couple of months oh. where you thought, oh, maybe I'll just stay? For sure. For sure. I have regrets. Don't want to leave dad by himself. Don't want to leave the farm. He's got a lot of work. I should be here. I, why am I doing this? And then I'd, I'd listen to somebody on air and they do a break and I go, oh, I could have done that so much better. Oh, that's the hard that's part. That's the hard man. part. So yeah. that sort of, this vortex of fun just sort of sucked me back in. And uh, I sent these tapes out, CFSL code and there we were back in southern saskatchewan was it like riding a bike when you got out there taking two months off some people get a little rusty no crack actually the mic. not really the only thing that changed was the uh the program direction it, i had to clean up a little bit and tighten mm. up and there was no uh it just it was a little more modernized as far as styling went. the beginning of corporate radio yeah, yeah the beginning and it worked out good and i had fun i jumped from evenings they started me off in evenings and i was doing uh, the drive and then the morning show all within about six months just really bang, boom and was that people leaving or you chasing people off talented well, guy they just they just kept bumping me up wow they said okay well, good job we're gonna put you here now and then I felt bad to the people I replaced they either got moved to a later day part or a different day part and then they would eventually quit it is tough in radio. Cutthroat business. Well, because the only way to move up is either somebody leaves on their own accord, which does happen from time to time. If you're lucky, it's because they're moving up, but more likely it's because they're getting out or you're taking somebody's spot. And yeah. I find that radio's not like, um, you think of like a lawyer, right? Yeah. Guy gets in and you're doing grunt work, you're filing papers and all that other stuff. And all you want to do is move up that corporate ladder and you'll step over somebody to get there if you have yeah. to. Whereas I find radio to be such a brotherhood yeah, it is. and a, sisterhood you know there's almost a, a level of guilt when when someone also hey we'll we'll bring you in we're gonna get this person out of here and to make room for you and you almost go that hurts oh I'm, that sucks <laughs> shit <laughs> why yeah <Okay. laughs> yeah well yeah but at the same time like you said like <laughs> my rent is my my exactly. wage i gotta move yeah. up i gotta do something so you did evenings you did drive you did mornings and i did news weather like i i did covered sports i did yeah. sioux line hockey league play but i wasn't the play-by-play guy bruce lupke who was the voice of the brandon we kings did it for many years but i was the color man and oh. went to all these little tiny towns that had these uh, hockey leagues that thought they were playing in the NHL and yeah. did that for uh, several years and enjoyed that still brought back my passion to maybe uh, do baseball again and that station CFSL big on the Toronto Blue Jays not that right. I get a chance to overcome Tom Cheek or Jerry Howard there's some big names but, that have done that job yeah yeah but you know just I thought oh maybe I can send a tape into somebody and get down to the double A or single A or you never Dunedin. know you never yeah, know it's, yeah. it's a strange business would but. you have moved to Florida because I know you're, you're a Canadian you love yeah. Canada would you have moved to Florida to 
to do baseball? Uh, it would have depended on the attractions and yeah. the benefits, how they would have it, structured it. If I could have been just there for the uh, the six months during ball season and, right. and then come home, whatever, fine. Yeah. But I don't think, I think they would want you around to do other jobs on top of what you're doing as get, far as get their money's yeah, worth yeah get their money's worth so it'd be a year round yeah i just i'm sort of a family man i like to be around my family and so i probably wouldn't have put too much weight into going it depends it would have had to butter me up pretty good for to draw me out Back then, morning shows had, uh, well, depending on the market, depending on the station, depending on the format, morning zoo style shows. When you were doing mornings in Weyburn, did you keep it pretty clean cut or were you a yeah, little, a little no, wild? I rode the edge, you know, and, uh, you know, if they complain, you know, they're listening, right? That's true. You know, there are some stories that I look back when, at the time, it might have been appropriate, a little off the wall, but if I tried that same story today, oh, oh I would have gotten a spanking. No kidding. And I don't I, even think you can say you you no, spanking on the air anymore. I, 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 don't, I don't even want to tell you some of the bits that I did because it's... Well, this is on the internet. Yeah, this is fine. Uh, CRTC's not coming after this. Well, this... Okay. Give me Please one. Please don't hold this against me. This is, I was young, stupid. What year was it? This was still in Flin Flon. Okay. Yeah, I was still in Flin Flon. I was just starting out probably the first year. 86. Okay. So it's just, just to put yeah. that picture in people's mind, yeah. this is 1986, yeah, this, not 2020. This was when uh, it was fair game and everything goes and it was the wild, wild west. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it now even, but back then there was a plane and it crashed in a McDonald's in Munich, East Germany. Oh. Yeah. And there was some lives taken. And I, I read that story. You know, I said, our, our thoughts are with everybody. And then I came back into the next bit and I said, that must have been quite the McMassacre. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> on one hand, on one hand, you know, I, I, I was feeling really bad. And I th yeah. and there's a little piece of me that goes, man, you got to do something funny. You yeah. got to add to it. And I thought, Lighten oh, the mood. McMassacre. <laughs> and my phone lit up. You're an asshole. Yeah. What do you think? And I, I felt really bad. Look at him. I'm flushed now. You are a little bit. Flushed. Yeah. See, and that's good. A little some, embarrassed. You can look back on it yeah. and know that wasn't the right call. Yeah. That wasn't the, the real round mound of sound. <laughs> hey, say how to call him for me. It's Grant with Pippin Technical Service. A broadcaster dropped me a line this week to riff about what kind of mic would work for his home podcast studio. Then apologize for bugging me at work. Don't apologize. That's exactly what we're here for. Podcast, broadcast. If you need to record, process, playback, or broadcast audio, that's what we do. And as media formats continue to converge, we also rep a growing number of video products, from Blackmagic Design to Cobalt Digital. Want to put cameras in your studio? Check out the offerings from Broadcast Bionics. They've done visual radio studios around the world. You've seen that content all over Facebook. Those are the flagship studios. They also have options for smaller operations that mainly need a couple cameras. Back to podcasting for a moment. If you haven't heard about the Bionic Table, scroll back a couple days on our Facebook page and have your mind blown with a concept for the podcast studio of the future that's rolling out at the BBC in just a few weeks. Not following us on social? That's a quick fix. Catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Pippin Technical or online pippintech.com. We build broadcast i assume mornings was the last spot for you in weyburn before you moved on from there yep i did mornings actually i asked to do the uh drive again because i just that getting up at four o'clock in the morning that sucks. wasn't working for you i hate going to bed at nine yeah ten o'clock and i'm the type i'm the bear i need seven eight hours of good solid sleep five four six hours even doesn't cut it i need to sleep so i went back to the drive and i was there doing uh two to seven probably for the last year then i had an altercation with an old pd we just he couldn't see eye to eye with anybody and he one christmas the last christmas i was there he got in my face and beaking at me and yelling at me and just spitting and he's right at my face and Ugh. his blood vessels are just wrinkled up and his eyebrows and forehead is all wrinkled and he's screaming at me he said i told you we're not playing that song you play the willie nelson white christmas instead of the randy travis white christmas oh my god oh. and i said you get the hell out or i'm gonna throw you down to the ground and i'm gonna put my boots to you <laughs> another thing you can't <laughs> can't do yeah. in modern radio but uh i mean yeah that's some petty shit though oh, yeah, like the very, same song very same song two key no, artists no. 
any any listener would have never recognized the difference or wouldn't have cared wouldn't if they cared did. man yeah. willie nelson way better <laughs> uh, but he uh he got in my face and i just told him what i was going to do to him and uh, he said well we'll see about that went down and talked to the pd her name was jackie fredette and she came up to see me and talk to me and she said did you actually say that to him I said, yeah, I did. I said, he could have waited till I got off air. He could have waited yeah. for an opportune time to talk to me and done it in a professional manner. I said, I'm not going to put up with somebody yelling at me when I'm still on air. I still got a show to do. Right. And uh, she goes, okay, I just wanted to get your side of it. And she went back and I guess they talked. And then she came back to the control room. She said, all right. I told him next time he did that to you, you'd throw him to the floor and put the boots <laughs> on. That's I said, thank you very much. Got your back That's on that yeah. one. Damn. So that was, uh, that was very, very <laughs> sweet of her. Yeah. And then it was just soon after that, uh, I started to become friends with uh, the guys like Perry and Ias. And yeah. Perry, Perry goes, hey, there's an opening up here you should try at CKRM. And I send up some, uh, some cassettes still. And uh, here we are. So you're you're a big baseball guy. You follow Huge. the sport. You've got the cards. You I, watch. I, you I, know uh, every sickness. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from a place like Weyburn to a place like CKRM, Weyburn to Regina, and like you said, CKRM was you know continues yeah. to be, but at that time, a huge deal station. That had to, for you, to use a baseball analogy, feel like coming up from the minors to, to the, the big leagues. Big leagues, and that's exactly what it was. You know, you grew up, it's a heritage station. It's been around, it's as old as the Grand Ole Opry. It's been around and it's had so many great announcers over the years. The admiration for the uh, the people that work there, you, you finally get there, it's like, this is it. This is the, the culmination of uh, my shitty pay and long hours. <laughs> this is why I'm here. This is, this, is, this is it. So now we're still putting up with the shitty hours and bad pay, but... <laughs> But you're doing it here. Yeah, I'm doing it here. And that's what's important. That's exactly. My resume is padded now. I assume that even in Weyburn, you were probably still flipping the dial around, oh, getting yeah. to know what everybody was Constantly doing. Stealing bits from everybody. <laughs> oh, geez, that wasn't too bad from that kid at a sweet yeah, current. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll use that, but I'm going to reword it I could make way. it better. Yeah, I'll make it better. <laughs> was there any trepidation with any of the, the, the announcers, like the Perry Niases or anything like that when you got here of being like... Just nervous again. Yeah? Just nervous. Just, you know, Perry was a perfectionist. Yeah. And he just smooth, Mr. Smooth. And I'm getting up there and I'm going, oh, oh this is it. This is... <laughs> you can't mess up because now you've gone from maybe a 10,000 listening audience to 100,000 yeah. people is tuned in, you know? so Well, when a station doesn't get rated for its city, but rather for its province, province that's, yeah. uh, you know, like down the hall on the Wolf, I'm worried about Regina, yeah. maybe Moose Jaw, like yeah. surrounding area. I can really hyper-local my show to focus on the people who may or may not have a diary. Right. When you're on CKRM, especially then, because, you know, signals keep getting crunched in, yeah, with, yeah. like you said, with all the interference and shit going on now. But th at the time, God, was there a corner of the province you couldn't hit? No, and uh, we were doing more than that. We were hitting outside of the province. I have relatives in Verdon, Manitoba that would listen daily, and I had friends in Medicine Hat, and I get calls up from uh, uh, northern Saskatchewan, and uh, callers from Bozeman, Montana, wow. and Minot, and truckers coming in through, coming through Wyoming over the hills. They're picking us up going, hey, wow. can you play this trucking song by Red So Vine? for us boys so the listening audience just magic it was incredible so we had to broaden our spectrum of, on, on what we wanted to talk about we couldn't focalize just on you know the community of regina we yeah. had to share the love and just sort of become a mirror of uh, what's going on around the province and your your weather breaks are like three minutes yeah. long <laughs> and i know them all by heart i know every community by heart uh but yeah you know and they just it's it's one of those things where just a heritage station and people have been with us since day one and the signal so massive and for some of these uh, communities in southern saskatchewan or even north of us you know that was the only form of entertainment that's the thing i got into radio when radio was a big deal yeah. back in the mid 80s and until about 93, 94, radio was huge. It was an event. Yeah. Everybody showed up. I had people around the block at the Sears Outlook store or the uh, the bargain center. Like, they'd be lined up for blocks to come in. And they were there to shop. But they were also there to say hi and see who this big burly bugger was. What's the weirdest interaction you ever had on location with a listener? Oh, She's gone now, thankfully, but I had this one lady that she had a, a meltdown. She was a teacher and she turned into a bit of a schizophrenic and she phones me up one day and I start the reel to reels. I taped her and I said maybe three words, hello. Oh yeah. 
and goodbye. <laughs> and she talked for like an hour and a half. Really? And she's talking everything from her being in the nunhood to dealing with Prime Minister uh, Pierre Trudeau back in the day. Yeah. And she's going through all this stuff. And at the end of the hour and a half, she goes, Colin, are you married? And I go, yes, yes, I am. Happily married. And she goes, I knew it. And you can tell she's spitting on the phone and she's just vehemently mad. She's upset. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. You're with the fucking cult. I'll find you. You'll find me. And you'll remember me for the rest of your life. Wow. So my head was on a swivel for like six <laughs> oh, months. And I played this for Donnie. Donnie was coming with me to the remotes just to watch for this. Just, just as a lookout. Just as a lookout. Like, That's cause, nuts. Because if you're on location and you get busy, you, there's no problem with somebody walking up behind you and yeah. plunging that beer bottle in the back of your neck. Well, even when you're on the air, right? Yeah. You're, you're on the air. And then that's sort of the nice yeah. thing about uh, the AMs is my remote has to be a tight 60. You know, I got a yeah. bed and everything like that. If you want to give the client a little bit of extra love, your sales guy's sitting over there. He's yeah. thrilled as can be. Yeah. The guy back in the studio is not sweating it. You can go a little long, but you're into it. And I've seen you on location yeah. enough times to know when you do a remote, you're not staring at a, at a piece of paper. It's a performance for you. So just turn it on. Let her go. Could be real easy to sneak <laughs> oh, up yeah. on you when you get going. Trust me. I'm not the, uh, not the type that knows how to hide or lay low. So it'd be pretty easy to spot me in the crowd. And I've had other stories too, where I replaced the guy in his midday performance. And when I was working nights, he got a death threat. And uh, this guy kept phoning him saying, you got to play me the song. You got to play me the song. If you don't play me the song, I'm going to kill you. I'll kill you. If you don't play me the song. Had the technology even back then to trace the call through Uh, through the police. Yeah. So the guy said, if you don't play this song, I'm going to come down there and kill you. So they traced it, went to cops, went to this guy's house. He was putting on his boots and he had a high powered rifle on the coffee table. He wasn't fucking around. No, he wasn't fucking around. And our broadcast booth was at a four way stop with big windows. So anybody could look through. Right. Yeah. The ironic thing was this guy that was going to kill this coworker of mine. Guess what song you wanted to hear? Was it White Christmas by Randy <laughs> Travis? <laughs> Close. We are the world. No, get yeah. the, Come on. We are the world. <laughs> a peaceful, loving song. And he That's could, why he needed to he, hear it. He, he knew he needed yeah. something to bring him down. That's, that was going to settle his <laughs> oh demons. So, yeah. So this guy got scared shitless, so he left. And I jumped in and thought, oh, I could take a bullet. <laughs> The sweet release. <laughs> the sweet release of death. Came in on evenings. Came in on evenings. And then moved up to middays Mid- via death threat. Via death threat. And then Joe McCormick, our PD at the time, he said, uh, I want to put you into the drive. Ooh. Yeah. And then we got away from the freeform programming for just a little bit. And of course, they got a list of what 45s you have to play. You mark them off, right. check them off. You play the ones you're committed to. This one needs to be, this This category needs to play twice an hour. This category needs to play be played once. Uh, once an hour and you check those off and you fill all the gaps with your own music. Right. So I'm playing Debbie Gibson and uh, back then uh, Michael Bolton and all this, uh, you know, leaving, grieving, hurting crap. And then <laughs> I'd fill the gaps with anthrax and metallic. <laughs> like, it was bizarre, but it was so good. It's so weird to think of what CKRM is now, right? The source for country, country music, yeah. country's greatest hits. To think of, of hearing like Enter Sandman in yeah. the middle of all that I know. is just I know. A... But I played the country too. You know, I right. just, I just, it was an eclectic taste and we just had the best of everything and good times. Like you, I'll never see that again. So I'm glad I was, uh, able to experience a, sh- a short tenure of that, uh, freeform programming and how radio probably should be or how it was and uh, how it really transcended to where it is now. But I got a taste of it. No surprise to anybody listening or anybody who knows you. I mean, with your in-depth knowledge of music and your, your passion for it, since you were 12 years old on the farm spending your allowance on records no surprise now you're a very passionate music director for ckrm when did you sort of transition into that role well it's probably been about 15 years now maybe a little longer i've always been passionate about the music but it's got to be the right music i'm a little i'm a little disturbed in the direction things are going nowadays Mm. as far as music but florida georgia line yeah well it's all it's all cyclic that's the thing i'm waiting for it to change again and it's starting to now you're sitting seeing more of that 90s country and that soul country come back into play with chris stapleton and sturgill simpson Mm. and all these great artists and they're, they're they're getting back to that and a lot of these 90s stars like mark chestnut 
and uh, Clay Walker. They're all putting out new music as well. So I think we're going to get away from that hip hop a yeah. little bit and we'll get back. But you know, when you're, when you're passionate about the music and you're not force fed it and you're not trying to force feed anybody else, but you know, you got to cater to everybody where I can be quite selfish when it comes to good music. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to listen to this. You don't need this crap. This is shit. I know what's best for you. I want to play you this. And if you don't like it, well, too bad, but I'm going to play it anyways. That's how I want to roll. As a music director you're a parent trying to feed your kids vegetables you know i want my kids to grow up and know that they've got taste for music not spew dripping down the side of their chin with the loss of freeform programming so again you've been on both sides of it you've been able to play everything that you want you've played in an era where you had to meet certain commitments but could still choose your own stuff and now of course you're a music director in a modern era and you are making the logs and no one's changing them or they're getting thrown to the floor and boots put to them yeah do you think that radio has lost out on something by going to this structure? Well, I I think that we're defined now by more or less what we bring to the table as far as the announcers uh, and uh, how we can help out the communities because you know just as well as I do, if anybody wants music, they know where to go, right? Yep. They're going to go to their Spotify or they're going to go to different programs that they can download and get their music. So, you know, to have our numbers as strong as we've had them for an AM station for that many decades, it's just a testimonial to the the people. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And I've surrounded myself with some pretty good people over the years and you're included. I'm going to be so dis- devastated when you decide to do your own thing, but uh, <laughs> we wish you all the best. But yeah, you just, you, so you sort of get pushed in a direction and you got to cater to everybody nowadays and uh, I, I always say it's about the the personality your opinions what you do behind the mic and out, outside of the station that people are attracted to because the music they can find it anywhere they want it's true so another thing that I, I would consider to be one of your real strong suits is sorry I, did I answer the question that you asked or did I, I skate skate around that I wasn't quite you sure. answered it well enough that I don't remember what I asked <laughs> so we'll go with that my job is done Your other strength, I think, is you're a really easy guy to talk to, and that's whether it's in the back, just having a chat with the other coworkers. You see it from uh, anytime you're out in the community, you get mobbed by listeners that want to come up, and you don't shush them away. You you take the time for every single one of them to your own detriment sometimes, but it also comes out. When you're talking to artists, you know, I sit next to you, so I, I hear you cutting a lot of interviews that uh, are, are new, but also that you've been doing over the last however many decades. Yeah. And and you just have this, this way of getting an artist to just sort of break down, let down the guard, let down the shield that's been put up by the PR guy and have a real conversation. Have you always enjoyed talking to artists? Yeah, and that's the way, and you just hit the nail on the head. That's the way you got to look at it as a, a conversation. You got to break down those barriers, those walls. Before we even go on the air, I'll ask about their family and their kids and how's everybody doing and are you surviving? What's going on in your neck of the woods as far as uh, events or how you keep missing? And then I'll say, okay, well, we've got a hump. But about 15 minutes, 10 minutes here, you're ready to roll. And, and then you just sort of, uh, you've broken down some barriers and then you just try to keep it as conversational as best as possible and uh, ask them basically what I'm concerned about or what I'm interested in, but you have to know what your artist is about, right? Yeah. You can't just go in. And I've heard so many cold interviews where guys would go in, they don't know anything about the artist and they ask the same generic questions and they ask the same bullshit that this guy's answered to a thousand times already mm-hmm. over and over. So when I'm done... My biggest reward, besides having my listeners enjoy the interview, is having the artist afterwards say, man, that was good. Thank you so much. That was refreshing. If you've never gotten that from an artist, yeah. you got to step your game up because you're right. I, I did an interview with uh, Gordy Johnson, Big Sugar, one yep. time. He was promoting an album. Now, it, was, it wasn't a Big Sugar album. It was, uh, I think they were... They had redone Big Sugar songs, but in a much more reggae fashion, which Big Sugar is prone to do. Yeah. And they were going out on tour, and it was more of a reggae show than anything else. And we got about, you know, three, four minutes into this sit down that we were doing. And I started asking him, I named the record by name. Yeah. And the look in his face, I was just like, oh, I thought I got it wrong. Because he just had this look of shock in his face. And we finished the interview and I, you know, I hit stop. I wish I'd kept recording. Now I know better to always leave it until they let it record until they leave the room. Exactly. But he looked back at me and he goes, I've done about 15 interviews for this record and this tour. You're the first guy to even ask me about it, much less know the name of it. And they appreciate it. They love that. And and 
I noticed that after that, like his shoulders got a little bit lower. He's just a little bit more yeah. relaxed. He's a little more into it. We could have talked for 20 minutes. Well, his time paid out. Exactly. His time paid off for him, right? Yeah. You got, you got what you want. And I, I'm always nervous, but when I start and I sort of break down those barriers, I relax. And when I relax, then all these other stupid questions come out that they probably never get asked. And, yeah. and uh, when you guys have guys like Whispering Bill Anderson, that's probably been interviewed a million times after the end of the interview saying, that was so good. He says, you know what you're doing. You, you stay. <laughs> up and you know what you're doing. I said that was very refreshing. My nipples go hard because I think that that that's it, man. That's, I did it. that's the culmination of what I'm doing, and that's the moment you live for. And that's yeah. when you're in radio, you got to live for the moment, and that's the payoff. But no matter how good you are at putting an artist at ease, some of them are just assholes. Yeah, oh yeah, there's some you're not going to get around. As far as some just. I don't know. It's part of that. Check that ego at the door before you call me up or whatever it is. But there's some that you just, you know, it's going to be painful and you don't really want to do it. But, you know, they got a good following in this area. So you got to do it. And uh, I don't want you to name names if you don't oh, feel comfortable. But is, is there anybody that, that you've come away and just been like, if I never have to interview that guy or girl again, I'd be I'd be a better person. There was, but we've kissed and made up. Oh, so, yeah. The last interview was really uh, was really well done. And he sort of seemed to have lost his uh disparaging personality towards oh, me. That's so good. Sammy Kershaw. Really? Yeah, and he's got an huh. ego. Big ego. Which and I everybody's got an ego. You got an ego. I got an ego. We're in this business. Everybody's got an you ego. You need one. You gotta handle it though, yeah. right? Yeah. And he just would come across as my shit don't stink yeah. and I don't have time for this and you guys uh, you guys aren't worthy of it. And I'm just okay. All right. And then finally uh, this last time we sort of straightened out our differences and we didn't air them over the air like our grievances you don't need each other to. but yeah we don't need that's to. not what the people are tuning into they want to hear what he's been up yeah. to they want to hear about exactly. the new record they want to hear you guys exactly. chat they're not sitting at home going is this the day is yeah. this the day sammy and colin they, they become friends exactly <laughs> and the first day he turned me off was it was i think it was 1994 big valley jamboree back in the day and road manager gets off the bus sammy's pulls up pulls up in his big bus and road manager gets up and he uh, stands in front of us all of our jocks and we're like in a dog compound where this is all going down. <laughs> like it was like a prison, eh, back yeah. in the day. And he goes, all right, Sammy doesn't want to do any interviews. Do not approach Sammy. Do oh. not take any photos of Sammy. Do not talk to Sammy. What an There's asshole. no liners, no IDs, <laughs> nothing. Sammy is going to perform and leave. And then, okay, everybody agrees. That's fine. All Sammy right. gets off the bus, comes and sits right at our picnic table. Oh, no. So every announcer's there with their mics out. And uh, a buddy of mine uh, was the official photographer and he took a photo. Sammy just bewildered, looks at him with his eyes popped open. He goes, so what are you doing? He says, well, I'm the uh, official photographer, so this will probably go into next year's program. Right. He goes, are you going to make money off that? He goes, yeah, a little bit, not much. He goes, not off me, you aren't. Jesus. Grabbed this film out of his camera and ripped it out. Fuck off. Yeah, serious. So there are some douchebags out there, but yep. uh, you just deal with it the best you can and after that i never played another sammy kershaw song until about the last five years that's how you get them that's how you get them <laughs> you're not getting no dime from me for you, this spin you making some money off this song sammy yeah not from me, not from me <laughs> not. see that new car you're driving well i didn't pay for one little piece of that you've been doing this for so long though and it's such a high caliber you've got to interview some oh, mega stars I've in the had, country world i'll tell you one thing i've had a lot of doors open for me and i've just been so pleased because of that whether it's Rennie Levesque on the politician side yeah. or Bobby Orr hanging out with Bobby Orr having Waylon Jennings bring me a beer wow now that's something I can talk about uh, just and George Jones I have these expectations of George this was back in the day he's going to be pissed he's going to be unruly he's going to be rowdy he lived up to my expectations there he, you go they brought him out a bunch of stuff to sign he swipes the table he says I don't have time for this bullshit <laughs> he gets on the bus and he's just drunk as a skunk and I thought that's the damn George Jones I came to see that's what I'm that's what for. I'm looking for. That's what I expected. <laughs> but yeah, I've uh, truly been really fortunate. Somebody asked me the other day, who, who's left? There's nobody left. I want to talk to Neil Diamond. He's done now. He's retired. As far as country artists, I don't think there's any. There's some newcomers coming out that are exciting. I'd like to get uh, Luke Combs in a one-on-one. -on -one, mm. But now everything's just the way things are going right now. That's not going to happen. For I've me. been told I look like Luke Combs. So if this you is the closest you ever get. Except <laughs> you, you need a beer in front of you. And I need a beer in front of me. But yeah, I've been uh, very fortunate. Just uh, I look back and I go, wow, I can't believe I got this 
I got Kitty Wells. I can't believe I talked to the queen of country music six months before she passed away. I've, wow. got, I've got this interview. I talked to Patty Page about a year before she passed away, and we just go deep, hey? Like, there's, I only air probably about seven to ten minutes of my interview, and probably in some program director's eyes, that's way too much as right. it is. But I talked to these guys for 45 to an hour. Like, in 45, Clint Black and I, we talked for 48 minutes, and we were talking about the sounds of how he records his music for AM radio as opposed to FM radio. Like, we got deep. But that's the, that's what I live for. That's you gotta you gotta take that two seconds of your life and go, this is it. This is why I'm doing this job because I'm living for this moment right here, right now, talking to Clint Black about the different sounds between AM signal and the FM signal. Fuck this podcast. Yeah. You need to start your own podcast. Oh, just, just delving into I, some of those archives. That's the thing. I've got I've got a three terabyte hard drive, external hard drive, just full. And when all's said and done, I don't know what to do with it. I think I might have to get to the website and put them all up for the public. Who's your holy grail? What's your, your Wayne Gretzky rookie card here to, to use the analogy? <laughs> what's, what's the big one that someone came to you and was like, show me your biggest interview. Well, which which file are you pulling out? Unfortunately, about, I don't, you were here when we got that, uh, what was that malware that... Uh, oh yeah, this station got hit with some ransomware. Ransomware and, and, from Russia. Yeah. And I had a couple of folders where artists would do performances in our studios and I cut that all out of the interviews and put mm-hmm. that into a separate folder. That all got uh, <sighs> kidnapped. And we didn't buy, we didn't pay the ransom. You can't. Yeah. And it, even if you pay, you don't get the stuff. So I back. lost a lot, but I've got the Johnny Cash interviews on Real to Real someplace. Wow. I just can't find that Real to Real. And I know I didn't throw it out. I thought it was in my box of uh, old radio goods, but yeah. uh, it was not in there. So I, if I tracked that down, that would probably be one of my biggest. You need to find that. And then, yeah, not having my camera and not getting a photo with Johnny Cash. How stupid <sighs> is that? But I was so scared. I was just sweating bullets. I get that. I just, oh my God, I'll do this uh, some other time. I just got to get out of this room and breathe because Johnny Cash is looking at me. See, and this is good for for young broadcasters that are listening because you're going to, at some point, oh. get a chance to interview your your heroes. And, and I'm guilty of this, too. There's so many, between my time in radio, my time in wrestling, there's so many massive stars that I got a chance to meet, to work with, to interact with, to interview. And I was always like, well, I don't want to pester them for a photo. I'm I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm above that. Yeah. I shouldn't be that guy. And now I just look back, right? Almost 37 years old, I look back at me in my 20s. Like, you fucking idiot. Yeah, well, and people must look at my site and they think, what an egomaniac. Oh, like, what? He's always posting photos of himself with all these artists. And I've talked to other people about that. They say, well, they look at it as, and I look at it now as a validation that I was there and did yeah. that, right? I was there when Waylon Jennings came to town and I was there when uh, George Jones was there and I was, like, I was there. So it's- That's valid- your trophy case. It's a validation that I, I got to do this and be a part of that. And I don't look at it as ego anymore as that- uh, Hey, you poor sons of bitches. You're not going to get this opportunity that I had. Yeah. You're also the kind of guy that will support local talent, though. Oh, you got to. And, and you'll bring them on the air. You'll interview them. What's it like preparing for an interview with a Johnny Cash or a Waylon Jennings, who you've just got decades of, of things you can research through? Versus somebody who's been on the scene for six months and, and maybe they're blowing up. What's that? What's that lady you guys play a lot on CKRM who's from Saskatchewan? Mos- Moskalu? Jess Moskalu. When she's first coming onto the scene and she's gone on to do some pretty great things here recently, but how the fuck do you interview someone who you don't have any clue about? Well, the thing with that is that I've actually interviewed all of the uh, the local artists, the Saskatchewan talent, before they actually made it big. Like, I yeah. got Jess. I've got an interview with Jess. I think she's 12 years old. Wow. And she's just a... She's just a young girl. Yeah. And then the next time you approach it, she's had some hits at that time, and you sort of reflect on where she's come from and how it was lugging around all her old equipment to the point now where she can just say, okay, this I'll show up at this time to perform. And, you know, you just, you got to read into what you're working with and uh, realize that they've already had a few years' experience. So your, your questions are going to elevate to the point where you're talking more about the music now instead of, uh, how was school last week, you know? <laughs> but it just there's just different ways you approach it. Most of the local artists... It's more about the music because they're trying to make a name for themselves. So you really want to hammer the fact that they're here, here, and here. They've done this, this, and this. And uh, and as far as the uh, substantiated artists, you you talk more historical yeah. points of view than you do current because they really don't have much to fall back on because everybody wants, even if they got new music, everybody wants to hear their old stuff. Anyways. Freebird! Freebird! <laughs> Ring of fire! <laughs> yeah, so I've always got a different game plan approaching an artist or talking to an artist, but just 
people don't realize I put a lot of studying into it. Like, I yeah. don't go in cold. I go, I, I've already read as much as I could. I'll go to every website and I just make sure I'm not sounding stupid. Yeah, that's the key. I don't want to call their kids by a different name. Yeah. I don't want to say the uh, the year of a certain number one song. I don't want to give the wrong year. Like, you got you to gotta be on top of it. So No interview will go off the rails faster than the one where you say something wrong. Because yeah. like you said, especially nowadays, they're all in the middle of these really highly produced press tours if you're getting them on the phone you're probably especially like in regina we're not the key market you're the eighth tenth fifteenth guy this person's had an interview with today and as soon as you give them a reason to check out they're gone exactly so you gotta come and prepared. You, you cannot ask the one answer questions no yes yeah. no you gotta ask you gotta ask what who why why is always the big one i always run who what when where and why and then i'll just recircle it but use different dynamics to ask yeah. these questions but just don't give them the opportunity to say yep or nope mm-hmm. i wasn't very fond of that or you know you want to you want to drag it out just getting back to johnny i was oh yeah so scared i, I remember one of my first interviews and i was so scared the time the interview was over i felt like i was part of the family really yeah he put his hand on my shoulder i was out by the green room we're outside and this was in saskatoon and he goes uh come on son let's go take care of this we'll uh we'll have you out of here in no time that's awesome that's awesome so and then i'm stammering and stuttering and then by the time our 50 minutes is over we're talking about fishing or where he should go fishing up in northern saskatchewan and him and june and uh, john carter cash their son spent a lot of time fishing in Saskatchewan really? and northern Manitoba, that Lynn Lake area. Yeah. That was cool. So when you uh, you break it down and ask the serious questions, and, the, and then you start to just, they make you feel like you're you're welcome. You got to get your money's worth, you right? You got to get your money's They're worth. They're there to promote something. Exactly. You're there to get that. So you got to make sure you ask those questions, but you want to come in exactly. with way more questions than you're ever going to use on the air because that's when you find out stuff, the cool stuff that you can go on the Indeed. air and you can tell listeners, not only was Johnny Cash playing in Saskatoon, but he, he's, he's got a cabin up here. Yeah. He's got a boat. Yeah. Him and Johnny Horton wrote a bunch of music between Regina and Saskatoon. And right? you, you dig that stuff out. Yeah. They give you that sense of, uh, they give you that sense of like you've done a successful job and then they ease your mind. And then when all said and done they can direct you to where you want them or they want you to go yeah so that's so that's those smooth interviews like you know what they want to get to and he'll actually lead up to that so Mm -hmm. he'll ask the or he'll answer your question with a lead into his next thought so when you connect like that it doesn't get any better and that's where listening is key like you can't you can't just have your list of questions bullet point i ask this when he stops talking i ask this because that's where you're right like they're trying to lead you somewhere they're trying to tell you it's there's nothing more painful than listening to an interview where the person asks a question and the artist starts to lead up to a story and, and they've, they've, they've put the ball right in your on face. the tee and then the guy just goes back to his piece of paper and that that interesting tidbit, that trivia, that story it's just gone. gets left to the yeah. side and there's no coming back to it and the artist gets a little more quiet exactly. and you're just like, oh... That, that sucks again. That and that's all. Uh, all comes down to planning things out and being prepared and listen to your interviewee because yeah. they will lead you in the direction that they want to go. If they do that, you gotta you gotta run that ball in for a touchdown. Look at this. I I got no questions written down. I've yeah, just been listening to you I, this whole perfect. time. This is very refreshing, by the way, <laughs> Drew. This is this is great. This is how this is, should be done. Our most recent Harvard Regina Christmas party. Yes. You and the bosses rudely interrupted the festivities. <laughs> To award you 25 years Ooh, in this, in ding, this ding. well, not this, this building, but in oh, this yeah. market. Yeah. When does it end for you? You, Because you've never given me, I've known you for about six years now, and you've never given me the impression that you're even looking at packing it in. Well, that's the beauty of this. I've, I've taken my bumps and bruises. I've, I've broken a few things over the years. But with this business, if it's, it's, it's not like I'm doing heavy-duty manual labor. Like, I'm not hauling shingles up to the roof, and I'm not swinging a 20-pound sledgehammer like I was back in the day at the farm. But this job, you're capable of going as long as your faculties will let you. If your mind is still there and you can still talk, you're good. And I have no inkling to to retire. By the way, did I tell you about the shitty pay and the long hours? <laughs> so retirement is far from my mind. <laughs> you need every last check right till the yes. end. If you like a transcript of today's show, please send $20 to Drew Dolby, care of Harvard Broadcasting. And if you don't want a transcript, send $50. <laughs> Do you have any regrets? Like I know when 
when oh. we t- we started talking, you said one of the things you would have loved to have done is a baseball play-by-play. You didn't yeah. get there. Is that something you regret, or is that just something like, you know what, that didn't happen, but I still did so much. I did so much. I had so many doors open, and after a while, the baseball thing was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a faded memory. Yeah. You know, it was just, I think about myself and I hear all these guys talking about living on the bus or on the plane mm. and then I hear their horror stories and go yeah maybe it's not too bad just <laughs> staying in one spot but as far as that no regrets I regret uh, not having uh, taken photos with a bunch of artists that I thought I'd get a second chance or a third or fourth chance to do so and then right. they don't stick around uh, have regrets of I'm not a greedy guy, yeah, but I like I like to take care of my loved ones. So right, didn't, didn't have the disposable income over the years that uh, I thought I would have or wish I would have had, but you know had enough. To, you know, I have regrets about boy. I wish I could have afford to have a boat now or mm. trailer or even retire. Wish I could retire. Right. Looking at my what I've got, uh, it will be the sweet release of death. I don't know what you do <laughs> with the free time. That's the only thing. Oh, I'm enjoying it. I'm not an introvert, but this COVID nineteen, this is I could do this. I love Don, just staying at home with Donnie and just hanging out. You know, yeah. uh, no running around. And somebody asked me, "What are you gonna do if you retire? You're gonna be uh, doing this, this, and this." And I'm at that point where I'm. I've ran around so much in my 34 years of radio I can't see myself running around doing a lot when I retire I think I and I won't become a hermit I won't be that bad but I will do some fishing on the weekends just casting from the shore as far as having to go to Buffalo Days or having to go here for a concert or here I just I don't need it been there done that wrote the book bought the t-shirt working on the movie rates do you see yourself looking at uh, a programming role at all or are you going to ride the on air thing till they take your mic sock away I think I will just ride my thing I've I've been approached in the past yeah you know i'm so much of a people person i hate stepping on others toes and Mm. i hate telling hey you sound like shit get your act together (laughs) you know that's that's not me i I, said it to me a few times i know (laughs) you can handle it you're a grown man no i just i'm comfortable with uh my relationships i i uh, appreciate every relationship i've made in the industry and uh, when you take that next step you know you 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 have to be the boss you have to make the tough decisions and the hard calls and i don't want to fire anybody i don't want to let anybody go or i don't want to drag anybody in the office and yell at well maybe a little bit but a couple people yeah a couple people but (laughs) that's just that's just not instilled in me to be that uh that demanding i just want to roll with the punches fly under the radar do my job go home do you still listen to a lot of radio outside of your own show, your own station? Not as much. I listen to a lot of records, play yeah. a lot of records at home. I'll skip to the rock station, then I'll go to the classic country station and just do a little surfing with the music and play the Xbox in the background and listen to tunes. And You hearing anybody out there that you think could have a 35-year <sighs> career? There's guys that are substantiated already that I admire. There's some that are coming up and they there's potential. I, at one time, not lately, but about five, ten years ago, I was getting a lot of... Uh, a lot of youngsters that grew up listening to me which sort of freaks me out when that's I a weird that. feeling that's a weird yeah. feeling like i got we got yeah. a kid down the hallway works on wolf that told me he's like oh yeah i used to listen to you when yeah. i was breaking in I was that's like, weird eh? don't ever fucking say that yeah. to me <laughs> who are you <laughs> i'm only 36 god yeah. damn it <laughs> yeah and even a couple of staff workers here that i hate to say it but they admired what i was doing and yeah. they, they got into radio because of me and then i I've, I've helped them out but i think the winthors kid there cody glyden could have uh-huh. uh, he's yeah. got the He's got the personality. He's got the chops he's for it. He's got the chops, you know, and yeah. uh, he's he was one of the guys that said, uh, listen to you all the time when he came to the building. I went, really? Get away from me, you freak. <laughs> Goddamn kids. <laughs> kids. <laughs> no, he was nice. And uh, he's, he's one that uh, could definitely jump in and do it. And uh, that's the thing. I've worked with so many good talents that have come through our doors. It's been a revolving door, but yeah. regardless, I've, I've come across a few. Wish them nothing but the best. Hope they have the same sort of ride as I've had. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. But that's it's probably your ride is more than most of us can ask yeah, for. You've well, had a hell of it. It's weird. I just, I, again, I got to reflect on, I've been there, done that, and uh, where I am now, and I'm just so excited about what's coming up with technology in the next yeah. five to 10 years. Because the way technology is going now, it's advancing so quick that I don't think they can stay on top of it all. Right. It's just, that's how fast the technology is, is running. So. Yeah. It'll be very, very interesting or very scary. We could all lose our jobs and they'll go to sure. automated voices because they've already got AI that. Hey, shit. you're listening to 620 CKRM. It's minus four degrees. Here's Keith Whitley. Yeah. You know, they can do that already. Get rid of the personalities. I, I, I hope it doesn't go. No, I don't think it will because it's, it's, we're the glue that uh, just keeps everything together and we, uh, we separate the music with our stories and our intel and our community events and our giveaways and uh, that's what people want. 
That's how I feel. We gave a lot of advice uh, when it comes to doing interviews. If you had one other piece of advice to give, again, the, uh, the demo for this is a lot of young broadcasters. I know there's uh, radio schools. Well, when when, yeah. <laughs> when people are allowed to go to school anyway, yeah, yeah. That, that tell tell the you students they should kids. listen to some of these interviews uh, because get to hear from people like you. What would be uh, something you tell someone who's maybe just coming into their first job or second job right now? Well, I think you and I, we touched on it already, is just listen. Listen, listen. It seems like there's a lot of people that don't listen enough and they're always wanting to jump the gun and talk about what they want to talk about. No, no, no. This is not about you. You are the, the guide. You're the tour guide. You're going to take everybody else around for the trip and let them have a good time. You're just, you're just going to hold it together and conduct it. Yeah, you can save all of your yeah. shit for Facebook. Exactly. Put your <laughs> crap on social media. <laughs> like everybody Not else. Not like us. Good old, back in the good old days, we had to put it in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, kids, a newspaper is a thing yeah. that used to... No, okay. Anyway. I remember us fighting over the paper. Really? Who, for prep? prep? Yeah. Who's going to get the newspaper? Because we only... I think we subscribed to maybe two or three copies, uh-huh. and you got four radio stations in the building. Where's that paper? Who's got the goddamn oh, paper? I remember when I started working at the Bear, back in 2005 and you'd see like because the morning show would be there when the papers come in right so they're already looking at stuff midday person would be there pretty early they'd get their hands on it and it was usually that like you know around middle of the day when the drive person would get into work and they're storming <laughs> around the building Who, who's got the fucking newspaper Where, where's the paper <laughs> i told you once before you put that back where you got it from <laughs> and now now well, now i got a newspaper in yeah, my pocket it's you know like, it's, that's the thing it's crazy with the technology how you know. house back in the day i was cutting i would i would go to yard sales and book sales and i was grabbing old readers digest and oh. taking cutting out those little quotes and i'd paste them in my binder and i had like four or five massive binders just full of show prep that were, were generic so i could use them at any time anywhere anywhere yep. anytime anywhere and i had these filled up with reader's digest and i'd cut out weekly world news stories that were full of bullshit and yeah. i just i'd save that stuff and i wish i would have kept those binders because i've kept everything else i just for some reason i gave those to a jock yeah it was advancing his career i thought here buddy you could probably nice use these so look at you yeah you know and so i gave those up but yeah just uh just tried to absorb as much intel as possible and information and stuff to share with the listeners so that was the old school days Colin Lovequist, music director on the mighty 620 CKRM, the source, country's greatest hits. The round mound of sound, large and in charge. (laughs) Come for the food, stay for the freak. (laughs) (laughs) My friend, we've been sitting next to each other for six years. I just want to say, Dolby is one of the coolest cats that I've met in this industry. Come on now. 34 years, (laughs) and uh, he's so down to earth and grounded and one of the nicest guys, and uh, I have so much respect for him and his family, and it's been a pleasure. Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. (laughs) This has been the Off Mic Podcast, brought to you by Pippin Technical. Tune in next week for more great stories from more great broadcasters. Follow the show on social media. Search Off Mic Podcast on Facebook or on Twitter and tell us who you want to hear on the show. I'm Drew Dalby. Thanks for listening.